Uh, hi everyone. Uh, welcome to the India Independent Films Podcast. Uh, this is a podcast uh, primarily where writers and critics discuss and talk about films. Uh, my name is Pankaj Sesdeva. I write on my blog, Dichotomy of Irony, and also contribute articles on uh, India Independent Films website. Uh, I have with me Rahul, who, as all of you know, is a writer and critic who writes on films and on many other subjects such as uh, cricket, sports, and just in general life itself. Uh, we'd spoken to Rahul a few weeks ago where we talked about different aspects of film writing. Uh, today we'll continue a bit more on the writing aspect, focusing a bit more on specifically the review process. Uh, I think a mm. lot of young critics or writers in general would be interested to know about it. So yeah, let's begin Rahul. So, First of all, yeah. let me just ask you, uh, you went to Saudi Arabia recently. How yeah. was that experience? First, I was <laughs> curious to know about that. And how did you find it different from, uh, you know, like, let's say an Indian film mm. festival or other ones that you have been there? Oh, I'm glad you asked that because I have not had a chance to uh, even think about it since I've been back. Uh, but yeah, I went to uh, Saudi Arabia for the, uh, to Jeddah for the Red Sea International Film Festival. It was the first ever film festival in Saudi Arabia. So as we know, like uh, over the next 10 years, the Saudi Arabian, uh, uh, the current uh, uh, government there is trying to sort of uh, open the doors to the rest of the world, you know, culturally, artistically. And so a film festival is obviously one of the first steps because on the same weekend, there was also the F1 race there, first ever in Saudi Arabia, in Jeddah itself. So, uh, you know, I was... I wanted to just be there. So I was supposed to go last year. It was supposed to happen in March in March last year with, when in 2020 March when the lockdown started. So it got postponed. And when I again got the invite, I jumped at the opportunity because first of all, none of us had been anywhere for a while. And I was like, you know, I never thought I'd attend a film festival abroad again in the near future. So I was very happy to sort of, uh, you know, hopefully be safe and sort of jump at the opportunity. I went there. It... You know, I knew I was at a particular moment in history. We all were attending this festival and you could see the country uh, or, or at least whatever we saw in Jeddah and all. You could see that they were making an effort to show that they are progressing towards a different future from the one that we know about Saudi Arabia, which is, you know, problematic, conservative in many ways. And, uh, and you know, the human rights violations across. But And you could see that they were putting on a show. So I was a little worried about that in the sense that uh, how much of this is genuine and how much, how much of this is because there were a lot of foreign journalists, a lot of uh, Hollywood uh, people, foreign uh, filmmakers that were invited. And as we know, Saudi Arabia is sort of a cash rich country like the right. like the rest of the Middle East. So, you know, it was a very flashy festival. I, you know, I mean, there's only so much I could do. I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself because it was a new place. It was held in the middle of a historical district in Jeddah. Uh, so, you know, as far as the film festival itself was concerned, I felt like, uh, of course, it's baby steps. You know, it's the first film festival. There were a lot of uh, flaws. There were. Uh, it felt like the film festival was part of something bigger. Like it almost felt like incidental to what was happening because the selection was slightly narrow. Like in the in that sense, it was basically showing us the best of films that played in other festivals, other big festivals through the year. And that's something a lot of people used to attend the Macau Film Festival for at the end of the year in December, which even I used to go for that. I used to catch up on films I never got to watch at Cannes or Berlin because, you know, uh, I've never been there. So uh, 
even saudi even this red sea festival gave me a chance to catch up on a few films and maybe uh, and i'm not someone to sort of put it on twitter saying look i watched this film before everyone else so i don't like boasting because it's a journalist job in general to sort of uh, watch films and write about it but i was very glad to catch uh, films like the lost daughter on the big screen because we know it's out on netflix now and all but uh, i i was happy to be back to the big screen in that sense because in india it's been a stop and start thing uh, we've always been worried about safety here uh, with the pandemic and all and in saudi it felt a little more open uh, um, and you know even though there were management glitches and Uh, this and that you could sense the uh, sense a lot of uh, excitement at least from the uh, visiting community if not the local community because there were a lot of volunteers like in most film festivals but they were still uh, at a loss of what to do most of the time there were not a not a lot of locals i saw in the theaters watching the screening so again it takes time for every country to wake up to a certain because you know the first cinema started only in saudi arabia in 2018 like the first uh, it returned after 35 years so it'll take a while you know it's it's still at a very infant uh, infantile stage of uh, film watching and uh, my main thing is i want to attend this festival as much as possible to see if there's any progress in that sense or to see if it was only a show put up for us like uh, because you know everyone was spoiled and and you know treated very well uh by the locals there and and but, but then again you you want to talk to the locals and find out if this is the case uh, 365 days a year and i did talk to a few locals like the drivers and some volunteers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i found a saudi filmmaker also and he was not very happy with the scheduling of the local films because he they wanted to showcase saudi cinema to the rest of the world to the new wave of saudi cinema and middle eastern cinema but apparently the slots were not very good so not a lot of journalists could find those films they were playing far away in a theater at like night slots there were no buses back and stuff like that so you know i didn't get to watch a lot of saudi cinema but a few colleagues of mine did i mean a few indian journalists i i met there did manage to watch a few so yeah i mean it it was a very fascinating experience in general i love traveling so i'm my view is slightly blinkered when i leave the country i love it immediately you know irrespective of <laughs> how much crisis i faced there so for me it was a opportunity to get out and uh, at the same time maybe write about something new so even when i was writing covering the festival for film companion i was writing more about the environment around me than the films themselves right right i saw that uh, will you be going to any other festival soon i doubt it uh, now the world is closing down yeah. as we speak right now with uh, omicron out there and bombay delhi india india is going to be banned from most countries all over again it's same with uk same with so yeah this whole year i expect all the festivals again to go online in fact i just got a notification today that sundance uh, film festival which is in jan uh, at the end of jan every year uh, was supposed to be a hybrid festival in person and online now it's today they changed it purely to online because of you know right. because of the right. situation there too so i expect all the big festivals to follow suit berlin cannes and not like i was ever going to go there because i'm still right. technically a junior journalist so i'm not going to get to go there so uh, so early in my career but uh, you know i'm not i'm in no hurry i like attending these boutique festivals because you actually get to maybe uh sort of satiate uh, uh, sort of traveling bug in you at the same time and even the workload is is not too heavy then got it got it yeah let's hope this goes away soon and uh, things yeah. get back to normal okay now let me ask one uh, the next question 
uh, you know yesterday uh, i think day before yesterday uh, you put out this video on instagram uh, where you <laughs> talked about you know the five things you talk about in a review and you mentioned uh, craft integrity intent instinct and love and yeah. you know uh, i would like to just know a little bit more on because i found b and c like integrity and intent to be very uh, fascinating mm. so uh, mm. i would like to just hear a little bit more on integrity what did you specifically mean by integrity and intent uh, and yeah. just seeing you that because uh, i'm asking also because in your rashmi rocket review you mentioned this exact same line which was rashmi yeah. sacrifices artistic integrity at the altar of intent so yeah. uh yeah just a little bit more on these two i'm i'm amazed at first of all i'm amazed at the connections you make sometimes because <laughs> even I, i don't it's it's amazing because you treat this like your reviews which is i mean like your pieces which i find constantly fascinating but i'm glad, uh, I, you know it's nice you pointed that out uh, that video of course you know professional obligations i'm not one right. to do videos uh, but uh, i decided to actually make it a little like insightful in that sense because when i say integrity see for people who review hindi cinema day in and day out especially like modern hindi cinema that comes every friday uh, there is an integrity problem in most of commercial hindi cinema i know a lot of critics who celebrate you know uh, commercial storytelling and masala bollywood and mainstream storytelling and as they should but the thing is it was very different back then Uh, as compared to now you know it it feels like most of like even rashmi rocket for example it just to give you an example it knew that it was going to be lauded for the subject it took it did not make an effort beyond that like it it felt like a powerpoint presentation beyond that you know every scene felt like a package and that was offered to the audience knowing they will lap it up because you know you are actually touching upon something that isn't talked about too much in sport and something that isn't covered too much in film so they were very satisfied doing that itself so the smugness sort of showed throughout the film you know there was a lack of craft and you cannot sacrifice everything uh, i mean you have that intent to sort of say something new to break new ground in terms of uh, in terms of narratives uh, that's not enough you know these five things should actually balance and should actually combine at some point so that lack of integrity i see in every second hindi film that i'm reviewing and i know you know i mean a lot of us get trolled for not liking hindi films uh, 95% of the hindi films that release through the year but you know you can't shoot the messenger because uh, uh, you you see a fundamental dishonesty in a lot of films they are mar- they, they are marketing tools they are glorified pr exercises and you feel like a lot of The, even the social message dramas that you know people like ayushman are so good at and people like akshay kumar have made a business out of uh, you know there, there's a lack of integrity to most of them and and i used to like ayushman sort of this this uh, template that he he's he's become so famous for but over the last few films it's become tired and familiar and it it's become like a uh, it's become like a token thing that they know that the audiences no them i don't think they mean any of it i don't think the filmmakers do research beyond the screenplay they need they aren't actually interested in uh, in the subject beyond uh, beyond the filmmaking business itself so i i find that in most films and that you can see if you review enough films for enough years and if you're honest about them you can see that uh, that lack of truth in every other narrative and when i do see a semblance of truth in some narratives i'm very excited by it because then you can even forgive a slight lack of craft or a slight lack of you know artistic heft 
in that and a slight lack of budget because uh, that is more important for me than anything else and that love also sort of combines with that truth that very few filmmakers manage to show so yeah that's that's basically what i mean by integrity again it's it's all it's entirely instinctive you know for reviewers to even judge that and to see that in films but you know if you see enough films you 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 notice that there's a lack of integrity in salman khan movies there's a lack of integrity in akshay kumar movies we know that and there are a lot of these movies around so there's no escaping from it and it's better to put it out there for you know uh, for aspiring critics and aspiring reviewers down the future because uh, you, you can't judge the film for what it is anymore or for what it's trying to accomplish anymore because what it's trying to accomplish is trying to get money out of your pocket and uh, just make you watch the film even if you hate it it's got your money so it will boast of say box office collections or subscribing you know in right. ott right. subscribers so that's all they need they need one view and for them that's a hit and that is a lack of integrity basically you don't aspire for more than that and uh, yeah to to basically just to expand on what you were asking that's pretty much it uh, in that context got it yeah absolutely and the point about ayushman i also <laughs> agree his films have yeah. just become a little like templatized and i think 2 3 days ago i haven't read it but i saw this piece in karwan some yes, editor yes. has written the same thing that it's yeah. just a tokenism that his films are doing yes uh, so i'll probably read it someday all right so uh, next question you know uh, on something on the craft Uh, mm-hmm. you know like uh, one thing which you know we can understand and uh, like a person like a naive viewer also mm-hmm. uh, can understand acting or music but yeah. how do you judge somebody's direction so that's uh, i find it very hard like editing mm-hmm. gets into two technicality but i find mm-hmm. it a little hard like can you give an example of you know what do you call a good direction something like i mean say you, you direction like editing uh like a few other technical aspects i feel direction is sort of invisible it's one of those right. ghosts that exists but doesn't exist at the same time direction is the leader of the ship basically he makes sure that everything uh, he or she makes sure that everything else about the film looks right now that right can mean anything you know it's a combination as you said of so many f- departments right uh, uh when you're the captain of the ship you're not really doing anything except steering everyone in the right direction that's all it is and it's basically man management it's is basically establishing a trust between the actors between the technical departments and managing and trying to get the most optimal product out of you know whatever as far as you know examples of good direction go it's a good question because you know you i don't often find myself lauding the director alone for his direction you know mm-hmm. because it, there's no such thing like yeah. if the direction is a good film it has good rhythm means it's good direction if it has a if it has a good soundtrack or good acting that is also good direction because the direction is literally in every other department the director sits with the musicians with the sound designers with the editors with the actors so if you're praising one aspect of the film you are automatically praising the direction not a lot of directors see it that way unfortunately because if you criticize also uh, one aspect of the film they say okay we weren't involved in this at least our direction is fine but you know it is sort of those phantom uh, uh, aspects of filmmaking that you need to that is entirely again i say instinctive because you know that when something when you see something on the screen you know the director has something to do with it like the the last half an hour of sardar udham is pure direction that is 
how do you know that Jallianwala Bagh massacre yeah. uh, sort of composing and crafting that scene is the most difficult thing in the world and and to take the film from where it was in this very uh, sort of certain pace certain rhythm that it had till the last 30 minutes and to take it in in uh, in an entirely different direction that is good directing right that is good decision making and that is a stick that is being uh, that is having conviction in what you do another example of good direction in hindi cinema for me was uh, number 1 was pari you know mm. pari was very good direction for me because it was such a difficult thing to pull off at a script level you know it was it had too many it had so many things inside it it was so dense there was mythology there was uh, there was a, com- a genre fluidity there was you know anushka sort of uh, pulling off such a uh, i mean sort of taking such a risk uh, it was a supernatural film at the same time so there were so many things and and just the color palette the way it was sort of designed the way it uh, you know the way the film looked for me that was very very sure footed and good direction it's the same for bulbul another similar genreed film i thought was directed very well again you can't see it specifically but that conviction of the maker in how the film should look and how it should sound and how it should come across is great direction uh, and for me the foremost example in the last few years of good direction was judgmental like you know uh, because again it was a very it was almost an impossible film to pull off visually and there was certain uh, editing and certain uh, rhythmic flourishes in the direction certain color flourishes in the direction in the film that you knew that was the director sort of decision right from the get go uh, it was a very difficult film to pull off and it stays in your head because of how whimsical Uh, right. how sort of quirky quirkily it was made because you know it's not easy first of all seeing kangna you know be be out there in a certain way but there was a certain integrity to the way she went about her role she's basically i mean sure you know in in the long run we can judge kangna for a lot of things but there was a certain honesty about the way she was sort of uh, borrowing from her uh, real life to put into the real of judgmental like and I, i thought it was directed very well uh, um, and i thought it was uh it was really risky in every sense and it, they may not have entirely pulled it off for a lot of people but for me that really stood out in terms of how a film should look and how it should feel to a viewer who is watching something about mental health who is watching something about mental uh, mental illness because you know even the father pulled that off on a very uh, uh, on a on a higher level you know with anthony hopkins and sort of just made it in sure that was great writing but again at the same time to disorient the viewer in the way that the character is going through that is good direction for me and you know these films that turn that deal with psychological sort of uh, or sort of supernatural or or genres that are visually out there Uh, for me, that requires good direction more than other genres. Got it. That's a great answer. So, do you think then there should be two awards: best film, best director? <laughs> I mean, there yeah, no difference. <laughs> there, I mean, there's no not much of a difference. I think for me, the best film is sort of a token right. award you give so that the producers are, uh, uh, you know, awarded. for their conviction also right. which is fair to me it's yeah. fine the best film is technically best director best everything basically yeah. but the yeah. producer also deserves something for sort of putting his or her confidence in a project and you know fair enough right okay now uh, my next question is just a little bit on the actual writing process so mm-hmm. uh, 
how do you write usually do you you know usually write first everything and then edit later or do you edit side by side and then how much uh, like do you edit your own piece or mm. do you send it yeah. to some editor uh to do that and like do you like the changes the editor suggests <laughs> something on this front <laughs> So uh, yeah, so no. I'm first of all, I'm glad you know we are doing a second writing podcast because again, as I said before, I don't get a chance to think about writing as a process because we're so busy doing it all the time, and there's there's a lot of workload out there these days. So you know you don't actually get time to reflect on it. So when you only when you actually ask me questions, do I have a chance to reflect on them? And because a lot of my writing as i said before is instinctive you know i'm i'm like like a lot of other writers i think i'm self taught so uh, so even i've learned from my mistakes and i learn from my mistakes as we go along even even today so as far as the process is concerned uh, i think you know everyone has their own process my process is has been fairly straightforward from the beginning i take notes while watching the film on my phone uh, most of the time uh, and these notes are not like these notes are observations like right. like you must also do and uh, and given that there's always a deadline and given that there's always sort of uh, time constraints in writing your reviews it, it it's uh, uh, the process is like while writing when i write about the film i'm constantly also editing at the same time like uh, um, for me it's not like I, i'm i don't think i'm organized enough in my head uh, to write a a draft and say okay this is the first draft now i can edit it into something you know cooler and something nicer something better to read uh, i never know what is my first draft sometimes my first draft is my final draft and uh, and i'm not really trained or organized enough to know that i'm supposed to leave certain sentences in uh, or certain supposed to leave the flap in and then in the second uh, or third draft i'm supposed to take it out first of all we don't get time to go through second and third drafts it's right, not a novel right. right so uh, so it's very difficult in that sense that you know you are in a position to judge what you're doing so for me because i'm mostly trying because i'm mostly composing my opinion while writing the review uh, i am also editing uh, my copy at the same time because i am never sure of my opinion till i reach the last word of most reviews and then when i read through the review i'm like okay this is the subconscious opinion that i have and this is what might come across to the reader uh, and they can make what they want of it because my most of my reviews are very ambiguous in that sense there's no yes or no uh, i'm trying to read what the director is trying to do i'm trying to read my take back from the film and uh, you know i'm i'm more than happy to admit most of the time that i am not sure of my opinion i'm not i'm not entirely sure if this is a good if if i liked or disliked the film and it's important to do that once in a while and and you edit your opinion as you go along you can't come out of a film say okay i absolutely yeah. love the film and uh, you know i'm going to give it a glowing review no that never happens if you're doing that then there's something wrong you're actually writing the review and making your opinion and then you're coming to terms so it's a rule for me that nobody asks me what i thought about a film after watching the film only after writing the review i think i can answer that question in maybe two or three lines and uh, as far as editing of these reviews are concerned uh, over the years ever since i professionally started writing and being published i don't think i've been edited like mm-hmm. i don't know whether i've asked for it or not asked for it i don't think i i have but right from the beginning when i started writing reviews for mumbai mirror for the newspaper and then when i went on to film companion later uh, you know 
I haven't really been edited in that in in that sense. And so that's why when I say that I learn from my mistakes, I learn from my indulgences. I do because I look back at a lot of copies I wrote in 2016 and 17 and say, you know, this could have been 500 words lighter uh, even today. And, you know, to the credit of a lot of people who do hire me for writing and also not. Uh, I know a lot of writers who want to be edited and who want to know how to improve, but I've been allowed to sort of improve organically uh, in my own sense and develop my own voice without another voice being enforced mm -hmm. upon upon you. So, you know, I'm fine with both processes. If I'd been edited from the beginning and worked in in a sort of in a newsroom, so to say, uh, then, you know, I would have been a different writer today. I would have been uh, very conscious of my limitations and of what needs to be done and what cannot be done. But I believe that not being edited all these years has sort of allowed me to uh, come out of the box a little and do things that not a lot of other writers may be doing as far as the thinking process goes or as far as composing the reviews go because I try unorthodox things sometimes they don't come off you know a lot of times but when they do come off you know then you learn instantly that you know uh, you're not the most uh, you're, you're not the most sort of rule following right out there uh, and and it's bound to be a little inconsistent in that sense but I, I'd like to believe over the, over the last one or two years I've gotten a little more consistent hmm. with my process with my method uh, with the way my reviews read too you know like at least people know what to expect when they maybe open a link of mine now as compared to two or three years ago where even I didn't know what to expect when I started writing a review so you know in that sense experience is the best editor you know it, it really there is no other substitute to that and you know sure I'd like to be edited once in a while by you know the best editors in in journalism but there's also a dearth of uh, you know genuine okay. editors out there uh, especially in Indian journalism for a lot of editors out there editing is commissioning pieces it's not going more than that so you hire writers for their status for their uh, sort of pull uh, or for their popularity and once their pieces come in a lot of editors are also too scared to touch them you know like saying I don't want to change the sentence at the same time I see a lot of editors also taking the liberty to liberty to edit junior writers who are in the first or second year of their careers which is good because you know if you're doing something wrong you need to be told that or if you're doing something that doesn't fit doesn't sound right, right. you need to be told that of course I wasn't told that so it took me a little longer to figure out how to go about a review but at the same time I'm very happy uh, that a lot of my writing has been unconstrained because uh, I can then push the limits uh, because reviewing is a very different craft you know as as opposed to say the columns I write on the side or uh, as opposed to even the pieces you know you you tend to do every month uh, and and for that you need to constantly be on the move learning of your own uh, learning of your own feelings towards your craft and I think uh, that lack of editing has allowed me to develop that. Though I would not uh, propagate that for all writers. Everyone, again, has their own ways of going about it. I know other reviewers like Tanul uh, Thakur and Uday Bhatia and all the others who, who are contemporaries of mine who who swear by editing and I could I absolutely you know get where they're coming from uh, and I would have loved to be in their position at some point but you know it is what it is and you learn uh, you learn as you go along with it. Right, right. So like you know in terms of um, the vocabulary uh, would you suggest anything you know I know a lot of people say like mm -hmm. one shouldn't write difficult words but uh, yeah. I think 
you know this that's the whole craft of writing you should write whatever word you feel feel things best so do you use anything you know besides google or how did you get better at it uh, does it come naturally uh, something on that mm-hmm. side so uh, as far as vocabulary concerned you know it's uh, i'm glad i can answer this question because a lot of people have accused me over the years of using uh, big big sentences big words complex feelings complex uh, you know whatever uh, meanings but uh, as far as vocabulary is concerned it's interesting because i don't believe in the adage that uh, you should not use complicated right. words you know right. that's not true right. then why are you writing right. uh, then what is the difference between speaking and writing exactly mm-hmm. see literature is called literature for a reason I- i'm not saying you sh- the difference what these people might mean most of the time is don't use big words for the sake of it right that's yeah. the difference use big words where they are supposed to be used where they are supposed to challenge the reader into going past the surface and and sort of actually thinking about the sentence you've written uh my you know my relationship with you know the vocabulary is a very conflicted one over the years while growing up my dad used to keep telling me to read the dictionary and to mainly read woodhouse novels to develop my vocabulary because you know like most kids growing up in gujarat uh, my vocabulary is very poor and i still believe it's very poor because wh- while speaking i'm still at a constant loss of words or expressions uh, most of the time but when i'm writing i have the luxury of googling these words right. or googling these meanings and i don't use anything more than google honestly i've never used that i don't open dictionaries i don't read a lot as i've very highly publicized uh, uh, so so for me a lot of my vocabulary comes from my excitement of discovering the language while writing because i have not read a lot in my life because uh, i have not been trained in writing formal uh, you know formally because i have not taken courses or because i have not even worked in a newsroom in journalism i am not a journalist also per se uh, a lot of my vocabulary or the sentences or the the sort of the trademarks that i tend to have that you pointed out last time which you know i was very taken by because i didn't know i was doing that a lot of that comes from my very natural excitement of discovering the language because i feel like a kid in a candy shop when i'm when i'm trying to express a, a little profound meaning to the to the reader uh, or to the you know to someone who's watched the film and then i you can sometimes if you actually read some of my sentences or my my pieces you can actually feel that okay this guy is getting really excited with the luxury of words with the meaning of what he is saying and he's actually playing around a lot and that playing around comes uh, as i said from that you know from that lack of formal knowledge about writing and about vocabulary and when i'm and when i'm writing my columns especially i tend to uh, Uh, really go deep into psychology deep, go, go deep into a lot of uh, uh, you know other things i wouldn't expect like a lot of abstract feelings i try to express with a lot of flowery sort of language and that is me just you know experimenting with the language that is me just being very happy about the fact that i can write something and people can read it and derive their own meaning from it and most of the time sometimes i'd be honest i don't know sometimes some of the sentences what i mean but i have readers say that they have figured out what i mean and that's that's a great thing because uh, and that's like reviewers also telling directors when they are reviewing films what they mean from a particular scene right you and so many directors must have must have written to you which i've noticed also that you know he seen things in the film uh, that 
even I didn't know I I was you know aiming for, and it was in my subconscious. But this particular reviewer or this writer has got that out, has teased that out through his mm-hmm. piece and through her piece. So uh, for me, th- this it's the same with writing. When readers actually say that you know they understand uh, uh, that this is a great line, and they quote they they take a quote which is the highest thrill for a lot of writers when they quote you. Uh, then I'm I think like I had no clue when I was writing that that. A particular sentence like when i was maybe writing uh e- even that october review I, yeah. I it was sort of a you know it was a sort of a fever rush most of the time and you don't know if you're making sense or not but then when readers tell you that okay i got this then that's when you realize that your craft is evolving just a little bit more that's a very nice answer and then related to that i had a following question which somehow you mentioned you know uh this this uh in that antim review uh, you mentioned that uh rajveer singh plays khan you know it's yeah. the reverse and then i saw somebody said that you made a mistake and then i was like no that was intended like you know that yeah. the character itself so do you how like do you then like, you know uh, my question here would be like have you stopped yourself from you know writing some of these things that you know because sometimes audience won't get it so yeah do you self censor or do you edit have have you faced it uh, no, not really like i i like playing around sometimes i like you know putting these little sly things in reviews because then i even sometimes that's my test of seeing if people actually read or not because most of the i think because most of the time i'm convinced that i'm writing in a vacuum and that nobody's reading like most writers even i have imposter syndrome so uh, uh, sometimes when i put things like that rajveer singh plays khan uh, I, i'm i'm actually very uh, you know very pleased that someone points it out saying oh no you made a mistake i like yeah that's the whole point you know <laughs> i mean i get it but i'm glad you wrote, i'm glad you read it you know that that means a lot also that you've responded with it but and and of course people like you who might have been reading me for a couple of years now will immediately get it right and there are a handful of people who do that who know that you know when i'm being myself in reviews and when when i'm sort of running out of humor to say that a film is bad and i'm just like throwing it at the wall now and i'm on autopilot and i know that you know there are some readers who get that and i'm i'm very you know grateful for that i i don't think i ever stop myself from taking these risks in reviews because and and it's also a sign that the editor does not mail back saying oh you made a mistake here because even they know that i'm doing this on purpose and uh, and it's it's one way of putting your point across you're not being gimmicky about it because you know salman khan is salman khan in every film right so you're basically right. saying the characters are playing him also exactly you're not really right. uh, you're not for the heck of it playing with words you're actually putting a very uh, very uh, uh, you know familiar point across in three words and th- and that's about it that what you imply depends on your reader and uh, i hope i never reach a point where i'm you know having to explain myself and self censor myself most of the time when readers maybe don't get it or when maybe i'm being too over smart but uh, till then you know i'm i'm just glad that some sort of uh, that that i get to even respond to people saying oh no no i meant that actually right right you know that was very nice and related to that again it's similar you know your yesterday uh, the home alone thing Uh, oh yeah you you ended with which i feel was the notting hill line right yeah yeah, yeah of course <laughs> that's intended right so uh, yeah. i've seen that uh, you know in earlier reviews so you always like you know uh, end with some film 
like even in yeah. rockstar review and this so that comes across very nicely so like uh, for the sake of everybody i'll just read that line uh that was said like but i'm just a man standing in front of his boyhood asking him to trust me so again mm-hmm. it's the same line that julia roberts uh says yeah. in a different context but you know it just magically fits here so yeah. uh, again this comes i think from your um, as you said enthusiasm or you know the la- excitement for the language uh, anything mm-hmm. else you would add or if you've covered we can move to the next question i didn't want to sound repetitive no no i mean that, yeah that as you noticed i've used this line a couple of times in different contexts and of course you know it's a pop culture thing right like when you're writing a review you automatically assume that the people who are reading your reviews are film lovers most of the time and are people who are familiar with you right. know with these iconic uh, lines with these iconic quotes and iconic moments also so when you do uh, write something like that it's not really an in joke it's it's also a shared language with a lot of readers that's my way of breaking the fourth wall and inviting the reader into my life in more ways than one saying okay we are speaking the same language i'm not only talking about myself anymore i am actually talking a language that you may understand and the language that we grew up understanding so for me it's a very intimate tool that i'm very glad that you know when when people do sort of smile at the end of a piece that's my way of saying that you know we are in this together also so it, it's it's one of my Uh, and i like pieces being personal and intimate in that sense and uh, if there's if there's one way to break the fourth wall while writing reviews i think that's the best way you know it's not directly addressing the the reader it's not saying what do you think uh, it's basically saying something that you hope they understand and you hope they relate to immediately correct mm, now do you uh, regret anything that you've written before ever or have you misjudged anything like that okay you shouldn't have written mm. this uh like changing of taste is different but have you like regretted anything i i don't think i've misjudged because as you said changing of taste happens the more you grow uh of course there are a lot of movies i'll go back to saying no they weren't as bad as i thought or no they weren't as good as i thought that's the part and parcel of being a film critic or being a film writer uh but as far as regretting if there's something particular i've written um not really in the sense yes i could have been a little more uh i could have been a little more subtle or maybe a, a little less angry when i wrote the reviews uh, of uh, bad films like uh, begum jaan or uh, like rapta you know because i was see also my anger comes from such a place of love you know right. when you when you are angry with a film that means you love films enough to hate them right and that means you feel disappointed and let down so for me it's a personal let down when a film dares to be so bad so lazy so repetitive so terrible on every level a lot of my anger tends to come out in words in jokes in sometimes it goes below the belt and that used to happen i think in my first few years as a critic like 2015 16 17 it used to happen quite a bit sure readers used to enjoy doing that but then I, uh, reading that but i used to also feel that okay the reason they enjoy reading that is also because uh, we all think we all get personal with th- with things we don't like in our head but you're supposed to filter that across as a writer when you put it across so i've learned to criticize films in a different way over the last few years i feel like i've learned i've grown Uh, with my 
way of uh, panning a film for example mm. i don't i don't pan a film the same way i used to in 2017 and this is a very important skill if you are a hindi film critic you need to know how to pan a film because it is 90% of the films out there if you're honest to to yourself you know that you have to pan every other film and you have to at the same time i'm not saying be gentle but you need to i've i've started to lose i've started to use sarcasm and uh, sort of smugness as a tool as compared to pure unfiltered rage like i used to use in 2016 and 17 and i think that's a better refuge for uh, for ranting or for uh, for panning a film and of course i'm not very you know liked within the film community for you know panning films so often but there's a certain way i tend to do it now which is to mainly not appear disrespectful of filmmaking itself right sure the filmmaker was disrespectful uh, yes most of the time the producers are disrespectful of the craft yes uh, uh, all the most of the people involved yes but there are a lot of other people who are working on the film at the same time who have nothing to do with the creative aspects of the film so to be disrespectful of the craft of a particular film is very different from being Uh, uh, disrespectful of the medium itself, of the visual medium, of writing itself. So that is the one thing I've tried not to do. Maybe you can appear uh, like a lot of emotions are going through you while you're panning a film. But the one thing you should not do, or one thing I should not do anymore, is sound uh, absolutely dismissive of uh, the people involved in the film or of the film or filmmaking in general. So that's the. Uh, one thing i've learned and that's the one thing i may have regretted doing in the early years of my career but again as i said you know i learned from my mistakes and uh, uh, and i know people used to like reading it and people like reading negative reviews we all do you know it's entertaining it's it's right. so easy to go off the edge as a reviewer saying oh this this is what gets read so much okay let's push the uh, let's push the limits a little more let's appear a little more disdainful next time and see how funny it is it's very it's a very easy vacuum to fall into so i feel like most aspiring reviewers should also be a little mindful of that no no by all means go all out about a film and absolutely pull it down if it's terrible but there's a way to do so uh, and that's something i've learned got it and you know so my next question is like uh, was there any recent article that you felt that should have been read more but people didn't read a lot so just so that we we all can go and back and read so was there an <laughs> article that you felt like you know didn't get as much response but you put your heart in and you just want a little bit more to be read uh, i mean that's honestly that's every second article i write like i really put my heart into uh, almost everything except say the panning films and all sure you don't put your heart you put your mind into that but into every film you love you put your heart into like the into the review into a column or something so yeah there is every other week i'm a little disappointed by oh shit people are not reading it uh, and then i share it across the mediums and i realize that oh people on instagram are way more receptive to reading yeah. somehow as we discussed last time uh, and even you go through it i'm pretty sure because you know even you been saying last few years there have been lesser readers but as you may have also noticed with you know your piece on atrangi ray and all the thing is sometimes you don't expect some pieces to do well and they do really well that's also because of 
the discourse at a particular point in time it has nothing to do with your writing skills right it has nothing to do with your insights you were just at the right place at the right time putting out the piece at that particular juncture in discourse uh, and that's how some pieces just catch fire right like that's that's how it is like i'm fairly like uh, sort of a little underwhelmed by how that home alone piece you just mentioned Uh, sort of nobody really picked it up on twitter or nobody maybe read it enough nobody responded enough of course it was too personal but then most of my columns are so the people mm-hmm. who read the columns know what to expect so even in that context i was a little sort of uh, maybe not too satisfied with the response even on facebook very handful of people maybe may have uh, liked or commented on it but that doesn't mean people are not reading maybe sometimes people don't know how to react to a piece like that you know they don't know what to write in response or to how to feel in response because as i said not a lot of indian readers are used to people throwing their personal life or throwing their feelings onto a piece like that it's a very acquired uh skill set of writing or of feeling you know of, of putting so i've made peace with the fact that a lot of people may not relate to that but of course you know again another piece i think of is i think my first piece from jeda from the red sea film festival where i wrote about the opening film uh um which yeah. was a musical uh, i i sort of you know put it in context of saudi arabia itself and my trip there of course because it was a piece about from a film festival not a lot of people care because essentially a reviewer is writing about films the audience hasn't watched so why should they read them but i was trying to make a larger sort of point there and uh, uh, maybe write an essay about it and that's my thing that's my weakness most of the point i end up writing essays about the most uh, most uh, mundane sort of routine pieces and i i was a little you know sort of obviously people didn't read that enough and sometimes you do put that in like a lot of the uh, i've been writing at least in the last two months i've ri- written three reviews about the mountain climbing documentaries that have come out on netflix and you know uh, other platforms and there have been three reviews i think two mountain climbing and one sort of documentary about the thai cave diving rescue uh, which again not not a lot of people responded to again because the documentaries were very niche uh what you're writing about sometimes is so niche that you can't help but to put your heart into it because it means so much to you but then again not a lot of readers uh, uh you know uh, eventually end up reading so yeah the, i honestly every two weeks you ask me this question i'll give you new pieces to put out even you will i'm sure you will put half your pieces out from last year for this question right right no uh, no i yes but i did read all of your pieces but i was that saudi arabia one yes i remember where you mentioned yeah. how it was the opposite in india like they're going down and yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly sorry they're right, going yeah. up and we are going and down and we are going down so, yeah uh, yeah i remember that line and that's how you know some points sticks are, how you remember a piece by some yeah. lines that's uh, okay all right now the next question i have taken from your conversation with uh, bharadwaj rangan which was like i think 2015 16 which yeah, i yeah. still yeah. read every 2 3 months <laughs> that's such a great interview uh, uh, you know this is uh, something related to you know um, have you in the past uh, felt like you're becoming predictable and you're repeating your thoughts and review structure um, so how do you avoid that uh, something on this side yeah um uh, see the thing is with your thoughts yes you feel like you're getting predictable because not because it's your fault because the films are only giving you so many ways to say that something is mediocre 
or something is not working like there are such flimsy films and web shows out there you do not know how to appear insightful without criticizing the film like you know while criticizing the film because the film itself is so flimsy is so superficial that you don't know how to put your thoughts across so that's why i keep experimenting with my structure of reviews i keep experimenting with my you know jokes like i'll write about what i was feeling in the theater like for you know that satyamev jayate to i wrote about you know my sort of uh, what i was going through in the theater while watching the film so yes you tend to experiment these films that are so sort of unidimensional give you a way to sort of maybe express your views in a different way uh, and you have to constantly be reinventing your craft in that sense because you cannot appear to be just writing 3 400 reviews like a lot of you know newspaper critics tend to do and just say that okay this film was rubbish this performance was like that and just leave it be you are supposed to give your readers something to take back from with every review whether it's a joke whether it's like some uh, whether it's a quote whether it's one observation whether it is your disdain towards the film also you're supposed to give the reviewer something to remember every piece by uh, so your readers have something to remember every piece by and that is a philosophy i go into with you know while writing every review for example uh, i'm reviewing a web show this week which which should release tomorrow and without naming it i'd say that this i don't know what to write about like i it's just so superficial it's just so average and mediocre and it's just so tackily made but and this is these words that i use with you right now i can't just put in the review and say okay this is what it is right you have to do more than that you have to catch on to something in the series that is going to help you make a larger point about web shows in hindi cinema or in in indian uh, in indian film in general so uh, yeah like sometimes you feel like you're getting repetitive and the moment you do you need to find new ways to say the same thing again and again because that for me is the art of reviewing the art of reviewing is not uh is not expressing your love for films you love and expressing your disdain for films you hate it's actually finding ways to uh to say the same thing over and over again in ways that may even convince the viewer that you are actually not repeating yourself you're not actually saying the same thing and for me that's been a constant challenge as i'm sure it has been for you know reviewers like uh, uh, badi and uh, you know senior reviewers who've been doing it for so long i think we face that on a friday to friday basis and i think i'd like to say me more than most because i review more than most people i do web shows and hindi cinema so i yes i i do feel at times that i'm repeating my words repeating my phrases and i know my readers will pick that out so before you appear too lazy uh, i i try to sort of change that got it and then is there a difference in the way you watch films at theater and at home yes <laughs> there is a, there is a difference don't don't let people who say otherwise fool you uh, of course in the theater you have only one chance right, right. and one you you can't uh, you can't uh, scroll through yeah. the film yeah. and stop yeah. and take observations like you want to so of course in the theaters i have noticed that i review differently also when i watch a film in a theater my reviews read differently than it's more stream of consciousness it's less observational in that sense it's more uh, it's more sort of flowing in that sense but sometimes when you have too much time on your hands and when you have so much opportunity to go through a film on an ott platform that's when you tend to over intellectualize or over analyze things and that sometimes shows in my reviews like where i'm i'm struggling to sort of 
appear insightful because I've got four days or three days to write the review. I watched it on Monday. I've gone through it 10 times since then and I've gone through scenes, individual scenes. So sometimes that review turns into a longer piece and with those longer pieces, pieces I realized that Yes, the way of reviewing has totally changed. My reviews from theatricals will tend to be shorter or will tend to be a little more on point. Uh, from OTT, yes, some reviews are more insightful, but at the same time, others are more wavered, uh, are more sort of, uh, you know, beating around the bush and trying to basically touch upon everything you noticed in the film. And that's something reviewers cannot do. Like, you cannot do while writing a review, uh, which is on a Friday, uh, that you want to make, you want to tell the audience that you have noticed this, you have noticed this, and this didn't work, this didn't work. You have to actually pick your battles as a reviewer. You cannot, uh, uh, it has its limitations, you know, a Friday review has its limitations. You can't do uh, what you make and what you can do in a column maybe a week later. Uh, and that you have to constantly keep in mind and keep telling yourself that, boss, you're not writing for yourself here. You're also writing for people who read you. So you need to be a little more sharper in your reviews when it comes to the OTT platforms, when it comes to things that you have an opportunity to go through time and again. So you need to keep your excitement in check. And that is something I still struggle with. And now we are back to that because theatricals have stopped again. And uh, again, we're going to be watching everything on Netflix and Amazon and um, you know, hot start. So, you know, again, it's back to square one and I'm going to maybe possibly get an opportunity to hone my craft of reviewing like on OTT platforms because it's not easy. You get distracted more often. Like right. It's very yeah. obvious. You check your phone hundred times, you go to drink water, you'll take a break. You know, there's a time that, you know, there's no timeline to watch the film. So, yeah. Darn it. Now, my next question, I have two more questions. So the next one is, in 2021, uh, can you name two of your favorite memorable scenes from any film which you remember? Okay. Uh, two of my favorite memorable scenes. 2021 had very less Hindi cinema to pull from, actually. Anything, uh, any, uh, any genre, any. Oh, across uh, languages yeah. and yeah. films. I'm very bad at specifically. <laughs> I'm actually the opposite of you here when it comes to these things. Uh, but I'm going to say at least one of them was, uh, I think, when I, I think when I was watching, um, I think when I was watching the film Spencer, um, uh, which is about Princess Diana, where you know. Um, uh, and you know it's it's basically about one weekend and it's about Kristen Stewart playing her very well I thought uh, th there was one scene in the film that I sort of uh, thought that maybe this scene only I might notice and maybe nobody else will which is rich of me to say but uh, mm -hmm. I, I, again I, there was a scene in the film where Diana sort of uh, um, sort of ends up speaking to uh, the chef, the principal chef in the kitchen, you know, and it was played also by a known actor uh, from what I remember. And, you know, for some reason, that scene where she sort of confides in that person in the kitchen. Uh, first of all, it was the composition of the kitchen, which was established throughout the film. It was a running motive throughout the film that we keep seeing the discipline in the kitchen and in the cooks throughout. And when she was there and talking to the chef, uh, it sort of reminded me of the fact that when I was a kid in the 90s, 
uh, and when i was watching princess diana's funeral in 97 i think i was 10 years old or something uh, i um, for some reason i kept thinking of how she uh, because william and harry were teenagers or preteens then i i used to keep thinking while watching the funeral because i used to constantly watch my mother uh, cooking at that point and i grew up watching like most indian uh, sons and daughters we grew up watching our mothers cook in the kitchen i used to keep thinking how if diana used to cook at that point uh what was her last meal and what did she feed harry and william before she died and i used to constantly envision her in the kitchen and there were certain smells i used to associate with her when my mother was cooking it used to all sort of come into one scene so when i watched that scene in spencer somehow all of that combined saying okay this is how she must have looked in a kitchen that house the royal family on a weekend at least it gave me half of an answer of what i was looking for of course it was an intensely personal memory but for me that scene really gave me some kind of catharsis because i used to spend at least one year i spent of my childhood thinking if she ever visited a kitchen because our sense of privilege or our reading of privilege of royal families back then was that they never would and i used to constantly keep thinking of what her favorite dish was to cook and then i later learned she had an eating disorder to so to to see her in the kitchen in that scene for me was one of the most powerful sort of scenes in cinema in 2021 uh, and of course the other scene was the sardar udham scene mm-hmm. towards the end uh, there was i won't say it was the whole scene uh, i i i would say that it, it's it's one of the it's one of the moments within the massacre where vicky koshal who i believe did a fantastic job in that particular scene uh, sort of uh, gives an expression uh, when someone when someone dying in his arms uh, asks if their uh, son or their daughter or their father is still alive he notices they are not alive and he just gives a very deflated sort of nod of the head as if he's only speaking to himself but he can't he can't uh, say that aloud because that would kill the person in his arms and he makes a very subtle gesture at that point which for me was one of the po- most powerful moments in the film and it gave me an answer uh, to why the film looked the way it did for the for the uh, all the scenes preceding that scene because it was so subdued it was so internalized it was he didn't speak much to the film and that particular moment gave me an answer as to uh, you know why he was the way he was for the rest of the film and this this question i should actually be asking you because you know you notice you notice individual scenes very far more better than you yeah i'll tell some other time i keep you know when i haven't watched so hindi films these many different this year but i remember uh, for me i think i would say one was that scene in paglet uh where you know when she's eating golgappa and at the same time there is a cremation oh, yes. going, uh, a, going out so that was to me like i remember that film by just by that scene that how it is somebody's journey to the heaven is starting as well as her own journey is starting by that eating of that golgappa which she never right. you know was so thirsty uh, something it was very beautifully done i know a lot of people didn't like paglet or not but i think i just remember I this uh, paglet scene and the uh, other um, which one was it uh, and of course uh, there's so many others but i which i'll think but this one for sure i do remember this uh, paglet and then that whole uh, sandeep or pinky farad that final 
that dance <laughs> movement the dance uh, yeah. yeah that was also very nicely done and then uh, i know you didn't like atrangi re but i really like that taj mahal scene that i just loved that scene like it was yeah, yeah no i i read what you wrote uh, about it and it, connected it, it to the zero scene right? right it was very i think it was very uh, nicely mm. done although the acting in that by that actress is a little like you know she's not good in some of the <laughs> emotional yeah. scenes uh, but i think i really liked that uh, whole taj mahal okay okay now my last question is you know uh, you have always talked about uh, writing has been sort of meditative and sort of mm-hmm. almost therapeutic do you think there is an underlying um, spiritual aspect to it i don't know if you're religious or you know like do you think it calms you down uh, i'm repeating myself but how would you no uh, yeah no it's 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 a interesting question because yeah uh, i'm not religious uh, but uh, as far as spirituality is concerned i've always wondered what it is and you know for me it's personal a spiritual uh, experience can be anything for anyone it can be eating a meal uh, the best meal of someone's life for someone it can be reading the best piece of someone's life for someone else so for me yes i'd say writing comes closest to if i did believe in if i was very religious or god fearing uh, if i did believe in a higher power yes writing brings me the closest to that state that as i said meditative is you know what we like to use but it could be uh, considered as spiritual too because uh, uh, i do i don't realize when i go into a trance while writing but i do realize when people tell me uh, for example someone who watched me writing recently realized that you did uh, uh, told me later that you know you did not surface for 2 hours it felt like you had stopped moving and stopped breathing when i got into and i and i remember why they said that because i'd gotten into a very in a big fix in a column i was writing into a big fix i was going round and round so it's time to it felt like a mathematical problem to me and i was trying to find my way out of it and i was like there has to be a way out of it and because of that i think i went into a state where i lost sense of time of the environment around me of the people around me of the smells the noises so i guess that is what people must mean right when they say that something is a spiritual experience for them that and of course given that i write every week uh, you know it tends to happen a little more often uh, you know with me with reviewers who have to do it every week by week and and i'm actually glad when it does happen because when you come out of it you first of all have already advanced into the future without really knowing it you know you you are uh, you are not the person you were two hours before when you started writing the piece and for me that's a very important realization to hold on to uh and for me that is like me when i finish a piece it's like me saying i'm saying goodbye to the person i was 2 or 3 hours ago when i started the piece or 7 hours ago when i started the piece and uh, I, i and that's something i often reflect on when say a piece is published saying oh i had such a tough time writing the piece but i am wiser for that and i am better for that and you know i'm stronger for that so uh, i guess yeah that that makes me sound spiritual and that will uh i think for a lot of writers uh you know who are heavily heavily into their craft day in and day out i think that will come across as uh, say you know religious in uh, in a very non literal sense i think mm-hmm. got it okay uh, all right I'll, i have asked all the questions today so it was very nice talking to you 
and I hope we will continue to have more of these uh, writing-related uh, <clears throat> podcasts in the future. So thank you again, and thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, same here, and uh, I hope to ask some questions myself next time because I do have a lot of questions. So please do allow me next time. We'll do it in part three uh, for sure, and uh, and I'm glad we have these discussions. And thanks for having me again. All right, all right, everyone. Uh, happy New Year once again.